Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Before we get started today, I want to thank all the people who turned out here at the station at WDET last night to hear more about our trip to Spain that is planned for next April. We're going to go for 11 days to Madrid and Toledo and Seville, uh, Barcelona, and a couple of other cities in that wonderful country that uh, I really enjoy visiting so much. Uh, And we're going to see all the sites and have some fun together, have some discussions about uh, that country and its history and its politics and all those kinds of things. Uh, a lot of folks showed up here last night to express their interest in the trip, uh, but it is not too late. If you still want to go with us, uh, just go to WDET and you can find information about how to sign up for that. But thanks very much to the folks who came out last night to express their interest. That is going to be a fabulous, fabulous trip. Uh, Also, a little later in the show, we're going to talk about changes to the SAT. They are trying to figure out ways to account for income differences that tend to show up in the range of scores that kids post on the SAT. We're going to talk about how those changes will affect uh, kids who are taking the test and college admissions. We're also, though, going to talk about the history of the SAT and whether we should be using tests like that, standardized tests, to decide things like college admission. A lot of folks say we shouldn't, that there are better ways to judge who ought to get into which college. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation, which will get started at right about half past the hour. But first, we never had this discussion. That was what Republican State Representative Larry Inman wrote at the end of a text message to a lobbyist for the Michigan Regional Council of Carpenters and Millwrights after he offered to vote against a bill in return for campaign contributions. That's according to a federal indictment against Inman that was filed last week. This is the kind of episode we might expect to see on a network political drama, a corrupt lawmaker offering to exchange a vote for money, a clear quid pro quo. But does this alleged behavior reflect the way money typically influences politics in Michigan and elsewhere? Is this such an anomaly? And how might it shape our perceptions of politics if that's so? That's where we want to begin the conversation today. And here to help us sort through this scandal in Lansing is Craig Mogger. He's the executive director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. Craig Mogger, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Uh, So let's start with this. Uh, We need a note from the top that the Carpenters and Millwrights did not take Inman up on his offer, according to the indictment, and he ended up voting in favor of the bill that he was offering to oppose if they were to give him uh, campaign contributions. We also should say that we reached out to Representative Inman to see if he would join us here on the show. He could not really be reached for comment. His attorney sent an email to us that says, thank you for the offer, but I've advised my client not to make any additional public statements at this time. I'm sure you can appreciate my concern given the federal indictment that was from his attorney, Chris Cook. But uh, Craig, I want to start with you just reacting to this indictment. Uh, How big of a deal is this in Lansing? I mean, I think it's a pretty big deal. I mean, it's a pretty big deal, not just in Lansing, but I think 
for government in general. Uh, a lot of times when, when people like me make an argument for transparency or some type of ethics reform, the pushback that happens is, you know, you can't point to any crimes that have happened because of the laws we currently have. Show us the wrongdoing and then we'll make some type of change. And this is an example, at least alleged at this point, of wrongdoing happen, happening and text messages that, that kind of show the public, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of light on what happens when it comes to political fundraising. So uh, let's, let's sort of dig into this. This is a very, uh, I guess, garish example of the kinds of things that people might suspect would be going on in, in Lansing. But, of course, we almost never see it in this kind of explicit context. How common do you think this kind of thing is, even though here we're talking about something that's a, a exposed in an indictment? Do you think this goes on all the time? Well, I think, I think uh, there's a gray area that some people operate in in terms of uh, not, you know, what, what Representative Inman is getting in trouble for is allegedly tying his fundraising directly to a vote, uh, this vote that's coming up. I think more often the fundraising is loosely connected to either, hey, I am the policy chair of this committee. You have, uh, you know, uh, matters before my committee. You might want to support me. Here's my fundraiser. I think it's less often, and probably, you know, I've received a lot of text messages in the wake of this from people involved in, in fundraising, and they've all claimed that, that what Inman did is not something that happens very often. I think a lot of times it's, it's looser than, than the kind of scenario that Inman is alleged to have uh, put before this lobbyist. And, and the, the range, though, there of this kind of, uh, this kind of exchange, I suppose— uh, does that really does that really matter which end of that range you're on? I mean, does it all have the same effect on our politics in your view? I mean, I think it all has an effect on our politics. I mean, just the fact that so many members of the public feel that this is the way that political fundraising happens, and when I say this, I mean what Representative Inman is alleged to have done, that so many people feel this is the way the system operates all of the time, that is extremely problematic. Uh, the fact that Representative Inman hit, you know, did this through these text messages and has been out defending himself and uh, has been arguing you know, that, that, that maybe this is not a crime after all, you know, that's kind of troubling as well, uh, that maybe there was some feeling that this behavior is all right. Uh, I think those things are troubling. I mean, the public, if the public feels that their voice is not being heard, their response will be not to participate in the process, not to have their views be heard. And that's not good for, for democracy, and it's not good to have a government that's responsive to the people. So, so put Michigan in some context here. Uh, this, is, this is pretty big news. I've seen it show up in some national reports. Uh, it is unusual to see a legislator indicted for this kind of thing. But, but how common are these kind of problems in legislatures across the country? I mean, there are definitely indictments for uh, different types of bribery that have happened in legislators and at the national level across the country. You know, there's been money found in uh, people's freezers before. There have been, you know, situations with, uh, you know, there was a situation in Illinois a few years ago with the former governor, Rod Blagojevich, and what he was doing with a appointment that he had the chance to make. So, I mean, there are situations that happen. I think this situation is unusual uh, because it involves campaign money so directly. A lot of times if a lawmaker is pursuing a bribe, they're pursuing a bribe to uh, 
more directly uh, personally benefit themselves in terms of, hey, can you just give me money uh, instead of giving me campaign money or the suggestion that you give me campaign money. So I think this situation is a bit unusual uh, just because of the uh, different elements of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he made the argument in the text messages that, you know, I'm not going down for $5,000, which is also something that popped into my head. You know, this, this is another argument f- that some people could make off of this based on campaign contribution limits. You know, he said $5,000 is not enough, but maybe $30,000 would be enough, seems <laughs> to be the suggestion. Um, that also lays out a, a legal argument for maybe we should limit how much people can raise from individual donors. And that's something that you don't, he- you don't hear very often, I guess. Hmm. My guest is Craig Mogger. He's the executive director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. We're talking about the indictments uh, against Representative State Representative Larry Inman uh, that accuse him of seeking to uh, engage in a quid pro quo with the Carpenters and Millwrights Regional Council of, of Michigan. Uh, um, he, he is in a lot of trouble uh, under pressure to resign, uh, as well as now facing this legal trouble. We're talking about the context for this. How common is this kind of thing? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us whether this kind of thing bothers you, uh, or do you accept it as an unfortunate reality of how our politics work here in Michigan? If it does bother you, tell us what you would do about it. What would you change that would prevent this kind of exchange between legislators and lobbyists? There are lots of exchanges that take place that sort of imply that if you support a certain candidate, you can achieve a certain outcome in that candidate's voting in the legislature. Is that just the way it works, or do you think we could come up with a way to do better? Could we hold public officials more accountable and cut down on corruption if we did it differently. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Craig, you and I have had this conversation before about things that we could change here in Michigan to make the system just a little tighter. Uh, but let's let's recap uh, what what ways uh, we could do that and the ways in which Michigan makes this maybe easier than it needs to be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think to start off on that point just quickly, you know, people should know, and a lot of people don't know this surprisingly, that Michigan is ranked 50th out of all 50 states when it comes to transparency and accountability in government. So right. our Dead rules last. and laws are different than other states. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about what kind of changes you can make to bring more light to this, to stop some of the uh, behavior that uh, brings, uh, that casts this cloud over uh, our entire state government, you know, opening a lot of this up to sunlight is part of it. I mean, this type of text messages, this type of text message that uh, Representative Inman sent uh, in many states would be subject to the Freedom of Information Act, meaning a member of the public could request to have his communications and see what he's uh, what type of messages he's exchanging with lobbyists, and then they could obtain that and look at it, you know, for themselves and decide what's happening. In this case, we're only seeing these text messages because of the indictment that came down. So, I mean, uh, subjecting public office holders' records 
to sunlight is one way to, to, to try to restore faith in government. You know, there are a lot of others. I mean, a lot of the fundraising in Lansing takes place during uh, receptions and events that, happened on ses- that happen on session days uh, when uh, legislators are basically moving back and forth bef- between these fundraisers that are a couple blocks from the Capitol and their legislative business that is happening at the Capitol. There, you know, we could put up some type of curtain to say, you know, you can't solicit fun- contributions on days the legislature's in session. You know, some states have taken uh, steps to restrict lob- registered lobbyists' ability to make these type of contributions. Uh, you know, it's, it's about putting up some type of uh, divide between the ever-increasing amount of money in our political system and the public office holders who are in Lansing to represent their voters, not to represent the will of the people who are writing such a large portion of the contributions that they're gathering in their different accounts. And I could go on, go on for a long time, but there are many office holders that raise money to accounts that are completely undisclosed, that we don't even see uh, who they're raising the money from. And that, that's really low-hanging fruit to say any money that's being solicited by a public office holder should be disclosed to the public. Yeah. At the same time, you outline these ways in which our, our government here in Michigan could be changed to be more transparent, to hold office holders more accountable. It's really frustrating to, to sort of take the temperature of the conversation around that in Lansing. There is not a whole lot of energy behind the idea that we need to address this problem. As you point out, we're dead last when, when they rank states according to, to ethics and transparency. You would think uh, that would uh, incite some sort of urgency in Lansing. I, I don't see it. I think I would push back on that a little bit. I think it is changing uh, a small degree. I, I give a lot of presentations to both conservative groups, liberal groups, people that are not political, and I get the same responses at all of them. You know, do we have any hope that something can be done? Kind of what you uh, just just detailed there. And, and there is hope. I mean, the the state house voted unanimously once again this session, to subject themselves in the governor's office to some type of open records law. So that's positive. Just last week, a bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced proposals to to require personal financial disclosures of office holders. And this is kind of complicated, but it is a disclosure that is aiming to screen against conflicts of interest. We are one of two states that don't have any type of disclosure like this for state office holders. And for many years, it's been pretty much just one party trying to do something about this, the party out of power that has tried to do something about it. And now, uh, this past week, there was a bipartisan group, key Republican lawmakers and key Democratic lawmakers that held a press conference saying, let's do something about it. I mean, I see some hope in that, that there is at least uh, lawmakers from both parties coming together, trying to figure out how to take on some of the very low-hanging elements of this issue. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Eric on Twitter says, campaign contributions are generally not so much quid pro quo as with Inman, but more like payment for services rendered. That is a really interesting way to describe what goes on in those exchanges. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Uh, Dan in Detroit, you're up first. What's on your mind? 
Well, I wanted to uh, thank you again for having me on the show. And, and, and this topic is probably the topic that really gets me fired up the most. You know, I really feel like this is completely out of hand. It's not local. It's, it's across the board. It, somehow we have to do something to limit these contributions to $5,000 possibly. I like um, your uh, the guy that you have on your show today. I didn't catch his name, but um, he had, had that suggestion to limit it to $5,000. Super PACs is the other thing, too. You know, super PACs need to be limited to $5,000. If we can somehow, uh, you know, get this message going in our Washington, I really think that the uh, Congress and the, uh, the the people that are in control of our government right now are just so paid off by these corporations, and the corporations then are going around the world, and they're paying off all of these dictators, and it's just completely out of hand. I think that this issue alone is contributing to everything wrong in Washington, and we really need to solve it. And the last thing I want to say is I wish you would contribute maybe 12 of your shows a year to this topic so we can start talking about it more. And the more that we talk about it, I think the, the quicker it will change. Yeah. Dan, I appreciate uh, the call and the thoughts there. That would that would have us talking about this about once a month, which is uh, more frequently than we do now. I don't think that's a terrible idea, though. I mean, it is, as you say, a very important issue. It affects so many so many different things. Uh, Craig, before I get to the next call, I want to ask you whether whether it's the money or the transparency. I mean, I think listening to Dan talk there, I was kind of getting to this idea that that there's a lot of different parts here that are in motion. Uh, and is it more important to limit the money? that can be used uh, in the political process to influence legislators? Or is it more important to just make sure that whatever money they are taking, we can see what it is and who is giving it? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I, I'll probably dodge it a little bit because basically it's also what is feasible. The courts have sent down ruling after ruling that have uh, hindered government's ability to put limits on what public office holders are fundraising. Mm -hmm. When he talks about super PACs, uh, these are, I won't bore your listeners with all the details of this, but super PACs are essentially entities that are supposed to be operating independently of all these office holders. Although in Michigan, there are close connections between them. And the courts have said, you cannot put any limits on the flow of money to these groups that are somewhat independent of the office holders. The courts have repeatedly upheld the idea that there should be disclosure around fundraising connected to public office holders and candidates. So it's really not which one is more important, it's which one the current court system has said you can do. You can do some limits on direct fundraising uh, by candidates, but then the problem is, does that move from what's visible to this field of fundraising in Michigan that's completely uh, invisible to the public's eye? So the transparency piece, I think, is just more feasible than putting putting the limits on kind of uh, all these different forms of fundraising. Mm. Uh, again, Dan, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Vernon in Auburn Hills. Vernon, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, great show and very uh, interesting topic. As far as uh, uh, politicians 
if you go, if you look at, it used to be called Pine Knob. Now it's called DTE. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to see who, who, what the politicians are doing, they're in the front rows. They get the backstage passes. And, and is this is this how we want our utility, which is a monopoly, to operate? And that's also with the seating at the University of Michigan games. Who is in the Detroit Edison seating arrangements? It seems like it's all politicians, and I, I think there's a reason for that. Also, I went to uh, Governor Granholm's inauguration, and uh, they had all they had like uh, seating around the podium, and they had folding chairs in the very front. Who is in the folding chairs in the very front? All the TV attorneys. Hmm. So this is who's controlling the politicians. It, it isn't the people. Yeah, Vernon, I, I appreciate the thoughts there. Uh, I, I think what he's getting at, Craig, is that it often goes further than just uh, campaign contributions. It's often this this exchange of influence and money. Uh, has to do with things that that are not just about checks. There are other kinds of perks that that flow back and forth that uh, that have to do with the way legislators make up their minds. Oh, I mean, that's I think that's accurate. That there is a lot of other ways that interest groups try to influence lawmakers, and one of them he's talking about is you know giving tickets, uh, maybe not even a ticket, inviting a lawmaker to come to a concert and sit in your suite or providing them a way to get uh, a really good seats for a sporting event. These are all ways that interest groups are trained, trying to influence public office holders that are in Lansing to do the will of the people. And I, I, I think there is right now little transparency around these type of arrangements. And it, in my personal opinion, it is something that the public should be concerned about. Okay, Craig Mauger, Executive Director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. It is always really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the work you do do to bring bring uh, sunlight to these type of issues. It's This issue affects so many other issues, so I really appreciate the work you do on this, Stephen. Thank yeah, you. No problem. We're working on it, and maybe we will get to 12 segments a year talking about this issue at some point. All right, up next, we're going to talk about the news that the College Board is planning to add an adversity score to the SATs. Also, you're going to want to tune in tomorrow when we're going to have a wide-ranging conversation about drug prices, why they're so high, and what we can do about it. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.